Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today, we're so happy to welcome her back, is Karen Kerrigan. She is the president of the Small Business and Entrepreneurship Council. She's often called the small business advocate. She's one of the world's leading experts on policies and initiatives that benefit entrepreneurs, and she's widely known for developing collaborative relationships with businesses, associations, public policy groups and think tanks, media, and a slew of other organizations that work to help small businesses, whether that's through reforms and initiatives that helps to encourage and sustain entrepreneurship, uh, whatever it might be. Karen is always right in the middle of it, it seems, and she's here today to talk with us about the implications of a Trump presidency for small business and also about uh, the recent stay, I guess you'd call it, of the overtime rule, which was set to go into effect on December the 1st. So welcome to the show, Karen. It's always great to have you here. Oh, it's so great to be with you, Kelly. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So let's let's just get right to it. Um, the implications of President-elect Trump. During the campaign, actually, it struck me, and you and I talked about it, too, um, that there was really very little discussion of small business, and, and I kept waiting for that to occur. So now that, that we have his impending presidency, talk to us about some of the things that you think we will see under a Trump presidency. Well, you know, I think, um, and you're right, unfortunately, a lot of the issues did not uh, get discussed or uh, debated that much, uh, uh, you know, during the debates. Um, you know, but certainly with both candidates, you know, where they stood on issues and their agenda um, mm-hmm. had been posted on their websites, and they were talking, you know, about that to audiences uh, throughout uh, throughout the country. And a lot of them went to small businesses. And I think, you know, it's going to be very interesting um, uh, under a Trump presidency, I think particularly now um, as well, that you have – um, an alignment in the Congress that Republicans uh, control both the House and the Senate, and they do see eye to eye on you know some of the key issues that matter to small business. For example, um, you know one of the big issues that we're very very hopeful about uh, is tax reform and mm-hmm. you know reforming the tax system to uh, lower rates uh, to make the, the uh, you know taxes more internationally competitive. Whether you're you know, a corporation or your file taxes um, as an individual, and also simplifying the system as well. So, you know, this is going to be one of the big issues that is going to be tackled right out of the box uh, once um, uh, the president-elect is sworn in. And, in fact, you know, the Congress does get in earlier in January where they'll start moving um, on the issue of tax reform right, right away. And, you know, as you know, Kelly, the system hasn't been reformed in 30 years. Right. Uh, you know, they, you know, various presidents have played with it. There's been, you know, an increase, you know, of the 179 expensing provision that was made right. permanent, you know, last year by President Obama. There's been, you know, things that have been temporary in nature, the R&D tax credit. There's been, mm-hmm. you know, capital gains tax provisions. But I think what small businesses want 
is certainty, they want lower rates, and they definitely want a less complex system. So I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of debate, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, what gets, uh, you know, what things get taken out uh, in order to make the system more fatter, uh, flatter and fairer. But I think that we're going to see some good things happen on that front for small businesses. Yeah, and certainly the complexity. Um, it, he said not a lot of changes have been made in the last 30 years. True, and I, I would say that if they have been made, it's to only make it more complex. Absolutely. So, so to cut through some of that, and uh, you also mentioned credits, which uh, some people say is not always a help because credit implies, I mean, you have to have some sort of, um, typically you have to have the cash flow to purchase something in order to get that credit. And so for those that are struggling, sometimes those credits uh, don't matter. I can't hire somebody, so I can't take a credit or I can't afford that piece of machinery that allows me to take the Section 179. So there's a lot of things to think about there that uh, could truly be helpful for small businesses in terms of taxation. You have um, said in the past, that uh, in, in all of your work with small business, one of the things that you keep on hearing is that their number one concern is the economy. Certainly taxes can go a long way towards uh, helping to um, make, make the economy a little more robust for small businesses in particular. But what other kinds of things could a Trump presidency uh, help to push through that would allay some of the small business owners' concerns about the economy? Well, I think if we get the policies right in Washington, the economy will follow. Um, you know, the obviously, you know, over the past decade, um, you know, we, there was the financial crisis followed by the deep recession, um, and of course there was the recovery after that. But it's been a very weak recovery. But during that recovery period, there were a lot of policy threats from Washington, both in terms of um, uh, you know regulatory concerns and threats, more regulations coming out of Washington. Certainly there was the Affordable Care Act, otherwise known as Obamacare, mm -hmm. uh, which caused a lot of uncertainty, which actually has been has driven business costs higher. And then there were, um, on the tax side as well, there was, you know, threats of, of rate. There's actually tax increases that were embedded, you know, in Obamacare um, and, um, uh, you know, the threat of more increases to come. So, you know, there was always that, there is that policy uncertainty. There were policy costs and policy uncertainty in terms of where we're going for the future. And we think if you take a pro-growth turn on those policies from a tax and a regulatory perspective, that this will um, encourage business owners, this will make them more confident. Um, and when you have that confidence, you have businesses investing, you have investors investing, you have businesses of all sizes investing, which um, you know drives growth and job creation in the economy. So. We talked about the tax issue and, and lower rates and a simplification mm -hmm. of the system, but also on the regulatory side, Kelly, um, there really needs to be some work done on that end, both in terms of the regulations that have been put out there over the last three or four years, you know, perhaps taking a look at them and rolling some of them back, but also regulations moving forward. Come up with a system um, that is going to be more responsive, flexible, and considerate of small business concerns. And so we want to see a fundamental change in terms of how regulators regulate, that they bring small business owners early on in the process, mm -hmm. that they listen to them, they listen to their concerns, that there's a cost-benefit uh, analysis, and that once the regulation is done that um, and it's put on the books, 
that there's actually some type of time limit that we have to look at that regulation again in the future to see if it's really needed because our economy changes, the world changes so quickly. You know, there have been regulations that have been on the book 70, 80, 90 years. I mean, some of the regulations that we had to tear down, for example, to make equity and debt-based crowdfunding legal – that those laws and those regulations have been on the books for 80 years. Yeah, so, exactly. um, you know, there's a lot of regulatory underbrush that mm-hmm. um, has to be looked at. And that's another big piece of this, too. And, and actually where there's bipartisan support for putting together a commission or some type of entity that looks at all these regulations um, that exist across agencies. And what are some that just we can get rid of that aren't mm-hmm. needed that, you know, you have business owners that are just pushing paper and sending things to Washington without really any rationale behind that. So our regulatory system does need to be modernized, and it does need to be streamlined. And so we're hopeful about that issue as well. Sure. And as you say, the process is that some changes is very much needed there. Right now, um, sometimes at the point where uh, the comment period is opened up, at that point, some small business owners start paying attention. But the vast majority, even once the comment period closes and it's being enacted into law, are still caught flat-footed. And we're going to talk about one of those here in a minute with the overtime rule, uh, such a short comment period being instituted at the end of the year, such a short time to get it implemented with no phase-in. I mean, there's so many points along the process that, that could be streamlined and that could be um, changed. Let's. You mentioned investment. Let's talk a little bit about access to capital because that's something that it doesn't matter who you talk to in the small business community. It's always a concern. It seems like it's always a need. In terms of capital access, what could um, – the administration do to help encourage investment in small business? You mentioned the online platforms, for example. What kind of changes there and any others uh, that you can think of that would help accelerate access to capital or ease access to capital? Well, I think there's, well, you know, just sort of speaking very broadly, if you have an environment uh, and a policy environment that is encouraging growth, um, you're going to have more investors get off the sideline, and there's going to be, you know, greater investment, the pools of the capital out there. You're going to have more, again, more people very confident, um, you know, about the economy moving forward. So that will open up more investment opportunities uh, for small businesses. But also getting back um, to regulation, I think, you know, one of the big things um, that will be looked at, uh, you know, and, and acted upon. Um, is the Dodd-Frank law and what mm-hmm. that has done uh, to really sort of, uh, you know, cramp uh, capital and, and access to capital. I mean, particularly uh, in the banking community and for small and community banks, yes. you know, that have who, just who not been let. It's just too expensive for them to lend at certain levels. So right. um, it's the, the 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 regulation is costing them a lot of money. Um, unfortunately, there has been, you know, some banks have gone away. Um, you know, you have some community banks that no longer exist. There's been a lot of, you know, acquisition activity um, and banks that have just simply disappeared. I mean, there's been literally no new bank, not one new bank has opened, you know, in the country since Dodd-Frank has been um, instituted. Now, it's different on the financial, on the fintech side and online platforms. But I think, you know, looking at Dodd-Frank and relieving small community banks of some of the regulation that's made it more difficult, you know, to then lend at the local level and to, to small businesses is going to happen. That's going to be helpful. On the um, on the online lending side, um, 
you know, right now you do have some of the agencies, the U.S. Treasury, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which was created out of Dodd-Frank, you know, really taking a close look at online lending. And we think it's this whole new innovative platform has been terrific for small businesses and entrepreneurs. And, you know, it's just another alternative for them to go to um, and a quicker alternative for many of them if they need, you know, access to capital. But there's also with under, you know, over the past six months, there has been a cloud of uncertainty over this that this whole uh, arena as well, mm-hmm. the whole financial technology community and the online platform, that they're going to be heavily regulated. So right. from our perspective, we're, we're saying, look, at, you know, let's not say no regulation, but let's allow this whole new area you know, to flourish and to be what it could potentially be and for them to continue to have collaboration with those, you know, ex- you know, institutions and, 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 and those in the banking community. So there's a lot that can happen in the whole fintech space that we want to continue to grow and to happen that is being held back by the threat of regulation. So we think that will disappear. And then finally, um, uh, with, uh, with crowdfunding, you know, there was – we were very happy that the JOBS Act passed that made equity and mm-hmm. debt-based crowdfunding a reality, mm-hmm. but it was much too regulatory for our taste. So we think, you know, with the current administration and with the makeup of Congress right now, some of the bills that they were looking at to, uh, you know, to lift the uh, investment amount, for example, from $1 million to maybe $5 million or $10 million, and to just make it a little easier on the crowdfunding front, um, we'll move through a little bit more quickly to allow, again, this that whole space uh, to evolve and to grow um, and for small businesses to have, I guess, more affordable access to those online uh, platforms. So, you know, in general, we think it's a good, it will be a good climate for capital formation, uh, for entrepreneurs and small business owners, and they'll have greater access to capital, more affordable access to capital. Okay, let's talk about uh, trade. Uh, some, even among some of uh, Donald Trump's supporters or President-elect Trump's supporters, uh, they they feel like it's his, his views are a little too isolationist. And uh, small businesses happen to be some of the um, biggest players when it comes to trade, at least in terms of volume. Uh, perhaps not in in total numbers, but uh, at any rate, what what is your view on some of Donald Trump's trade policies, a rollback of TPP, and things like that? And how that would impact small businesses? Well, you know, there is a concern because we were a big, we are a big uh, pro-trade organization. Mm-hmm. Um, many of our members um, operate in global marketplace, and they want access, you know, to those markets that were in the Trans-Pacific Partnership. I mean, certainly they do business in Canada and Mexico. Um, so, you know, you know, looking over those trade agreements, I don't know what's going to happen with those trade agreements, but mm-hmm. that certainly is a cause. For for concern among our members. But you know what? You know, in looking forward um, on this issue, uh, Kelly, you know, I think all the work that's been done, you know, on TPP, um, I, I don't think that's going to go to waste, okay? Because, I mean, these are terrific countries that um, if you're going to be getting rid of tariffs on close to 15,000, you know, products and you're doing things to streamline, um, you know, trade uh, in those countries for small businesses, we want access to those emerging middle class, the middle class, the growing middle class in all those countries. They want American products. I don't think this administration is going to throw those away. I think, you know, uh, the Trump administration, the incoming Trump administration is talking about bilateral trade agreements with those countries, perhaps even with, um, you know, the U.K. being that 
they're undergoing a whole Brexit right now. So I don't think trade is going to totally go away. I think they're going to be looking at the current agreements, looking at TPP, and maybe doing individual agreements with these countries. And you know what? Maybe it'll be a better process. Maybe it'll be a faster process. I mean, these trade agreements take forever, (laughs) you know, to be uh, negotiated and then pushed through the Congress. I mean, close to eight to ten years. So, um, you know, we're keeping an open mind. We certainly are going to be encouraging the administration to not let these trade agreements go to waste. And in the case of NAFTA, even Canada and Mexico said, okay, we're willing to deal. I mean, this trade agreement, these trade agreements are old. Maybe there is something that we need to renegotiate and we all can walk away from the table a better deal for our country. So um, we're not necessarily thinking that the administration is totally protectionist. He says he's free trade. He just thinks we have bad trade agreements. But we'll be at the table. Small business will be at the table saying, look, it, we don't want these deals and what we the work that's been done to go away, and we're keeping an open mind to how you can make these better. But we just want them to move quickly um, so that our businesses, our members can have access to these markets. We've heard a lot about uh, the first 100 days of a Trump presidency. If there was one thing that President-elect Trump could do in the first 100 days that would have the greatest impact on small business, what would it be? Oh, gosh, Kelly. I can't believe you're doing this to me on, 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 on radio nonetheless. You know what? The thing is, I think this president-elect um, is capable of doing multiple things and multiple projects. And we didn't even talk about, for example, Obamacare and the right. Affordable Care Act and, you know, sort of what the plans are for that. So, But if I had to pick one thing, um, you know, it would be to um, – address the uh, tax system and to implement fundamental tax reform. Because I know, as it is, even with having support for that uh, in the White House and in the Congress, it's still going to be difficult to do. It's going to be a heavy lift. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's long overdue. And I think once you get the, you know, a new tax system in place, one that's globally competitive, one that's fair um, and less uh, complex for small business, uh, you'll be able to address you know, sort of the regulatory stuff and some of the other things. But I think right out of the box, um, you know, really rolling up their sleeves and, um, you know, just getting that done within the first, you know, two, three, you know, four months in the first, you know, quarter or more, first half a year, will really make a difference for small business. And they're really going to have to focus on it um, and bring the entire business community and all taxpayers on, on board in order to make that happen. So that would be the one thing, the one thing that they could do. And then after that, you know, they can address all the other issues that are a big mm-hmm. concern for small businesses. Okay. Let's actually, we're continuing to talk about regulatory issues here. And, and that is the, uh, overtime rule and re it was supposed to go into effect December the 1st. Yep. I don't think anybody disagrees that people should be paid fair wages, but it was, as you talked about earlier, the process. It, it happened so quickly. It wasn't indexed across the country. Uh, it wasn't indexed for size of business, geography, or any of the the um, factors that are usually considered, and so small, most small businesses um, objected to it heavily, the ones that even knew about it. I, mm-hmm. It's interesting. I saw a statistic the other day after the, te- the federal judge in Texas uh, temporarily halted it that something like 87% of small businesses still had not heard about it, uh, and that just blew my mind. But 
let's talk about that for a minute. Sure. What uh, What do you think is coming next? Do you think that that temporary injunction will turn into a permanent one? Uh, what What should we be aware of? What should we be thinking about as small business owners? You know, it's interesting because I mean, when I read the uh, the court uh, order on that or the decision from that judge, I mean, clearly um, in that decision he pointed to overreach by the agencies and mm-hmm. sort of going beyond their statutory authority and doing things that Congress did not give the regulators the authority to do. So I think those are hints that, you know, in fact, you know, a lot of this, it, it could be tossed or thrown out or ordered back, you know, for them, you know, to the agency to them to have them address it in a way that sort of aligns with, you know, congressional authority. So, um, I'm very hopeful that um, it's something that is going to have to be tossed and looked at again based upon the court decision. Now, that means anything could happen. I mean, they're, so they're looking at, you know, sort of two challenges, two legal challenges to it. So who knows what they're going to come up to. But again, based on my first read on it, you know, the direction that the final decision seems to be headed is like, wow, you know, DOL, you didn't even have the authority to do, you know, what you did, you know, in this overtime rule. So, so I think that being said, you know, I think the business community and the Congress said, look, we're all for some type of reasonable relook, you know, at the overtime rule, but it was too fast, too quick, didn't take into account all the things that you said, you know, Kelly, that needed to be taken into account, the differences uh, in cost of living and all of that. So, you know, my guess is that the new administration in Congress will sort of go back to the drawing board and do something that, um, you know, is a little bit more reasonable and that takes into account the concerns of small business owners. I mean, I was there at these meetings, Kelly, where the small business community talked with the DOL and said, this is going to crush us. This is just mm-hmm. doesn't take into account cost of living, doesn't take into account right. all of our different business models. So, but I think there is a, a reasonable middle ground on this, and I think the Congress and the new administration will pursue that. Absolutely. Karen, as usual, it's wonderful having you on the show today, uh, bringing us your insights into all of the various uh, things that we often as business owners have time to think about as we carry out our daily work, but that people like you uh, advocating for us in Washington certainly do uh, uh, have at the forefront. So thank you very much for your work and and for all of your advocacy on our behalf. Oh, thank you, Kelly, and thank you for all you do as well for small business owners and entrepreneurship. Thanks. Absolutely. And if you'd like to learn about how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at ithinkbigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.